DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. PK, I was uh, rolling through uh, Twitter in a break a few minutes ago. And I saw Renee wishing Joe a happy birthday. Joe Ingalls is 33 years young. Born on this day in 1987 in Happy Valley, Australia. Didn't he have to end up in Utah? I mean, the guy was born in Happy Valley, Australia. Uh, yeah, I get the Happy Valley reference, although he does have a potty mouth and he forgets who he's talking to. <laughs> that hasn't happened since yesterday. <laughs> I had to use the dump button for the first time in a little bit on that one. Joey I. Come on, man. <laughs> I don't know what the FCC doesn't go down under or what. <laughs> Maybe anything goes in Australia. I don't, I don't know how that works. Maybe he just forgot he was on the radio. Just thought he was think, talking with his well, guy. Actually, with him, that's what he does. Pretty sure the standards are the same uh, down there. But he, he he gets going sometimes. I've heard him. I've been in conversation with him. <laughs> and it just comes out in the natural course of conversation. Whereas you, you're a genius on being able to turn it on and off. <laughs> Learned that at an early age. <laughs> yeah, like two. <laughs> no, probably a little older than that. Ten. I'll give you ten. <laughs> Certainly twelve or thirteen, junior high. So, so Joey, Joey I is thirty-three today, huh? What I learned was that in parenthood, I wasn't as good as I was as a kid. Learned that the hard way. To clean Parenthood? Up. Yeah. Yeah. Had a had a had a had a low level malfunction uh in the in the car with my two year old daughter and she repeated something I said when I was mad at a driver who was cutting me off. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm like, All right, I'm gonna just have to draw a line here and clean up the act. Well, good for you, because well, I'm not gonna get into my parenthood, but you, <laughs> yeah, right. you, you, right. you heard a, you heard a lot. <laughs> All right, so here it is. Happy birthday, Joe Ingles. What do you get the guy who has everything, right? He hit it big. Well, first off, he made it the NBA, which that alone is hitting it big. But end of the bench NBA, even at the minimum, that, I mean, that's awesome in real life, but it's not big in NBA terms. But then he got established. He was the free agent. We know he set up all the meetings, but after the Gordon Hayward, I'll meet with the Jazz last, Ingles said, I'll meet with you first. And they offered him the $50 million contract, and he cancels all the other meetings and says, that's more than I ever wanted. So he literally has got it all. And he said, you know, with the, with the autism and with their son, you know, they've donated some charities there. He says, nobody needs this much money to live. I mean, you just don't. So I'm going to help out some other people. So this is, you say... Here's a guy who has everything, but here's a guy who literally has everything. If he, if he wants to buy it, he can pretty much buy it. I guess he can't buy an NBA team. There's a couple things that are out of his price range, but pretty oh, much he can buy whatever he Individually, wants. Individually, not professionally. Yeah, if he, if he wants to go on, a, go on a trip, he goes on a trip. You know, he's, he's not a guy who's stressed over buying an airline ticket. Not at all. So, what do you get? The guy who's got everything. First answer, Joe's going to like it. Braden Dub says, coffee. Joe's obsessive about his coffee. Obsessive. He's a connoisseur of coffee, no doubt about it. Yeah. My parents drank coffee just like religious. My father, uh, who 
worked in the parks and cleaned toilets, literally. He'd come home in the summer, and he'd come home about 4.30, and then he had a job where he cleaned uh, office buildings at night. So he'd be home for about 90 minutes. And in the summer, he'd come home and put on a pot of coffee. In the summer, it's 110 degrees, and that's what he would do. He just... And they couldn't go anywhere without coffee. I remember I tried coffee once. I thought, oh, what is the big deal? This, why did, why are people obsessed with coffee? I never, to this day, I don't understand it. And I've tried it, tried it multiple times, and I thought, eh, this really doesn't do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> my grandfather uh, worked for the customs. Now it got rolled into Homeland Security, but my it was my my mom's dad, and. They lived two blocks from us, <clears throat> and I, I literally had to walk by their, their house on the way home from the bus stop. And then they moved the bus stop, and it was literally in the empty lot next to their house. So I was around them all the time, after school, you know, all that stuff. And he worked at the border, and so the, you rotate, there's three shifts, right, because the border's open 24 hours. So you got an eight-hour shift, and so two out of every six weeks— he was working overnights, and it's near the ocean, it's cold, it's foggy, it's 50 degrees, and they would drink coffee to stay awake, stay alert, and stay warm. And he sounds like he was as hooked on it as your dad was. So when I walked into their house, there was always a pot of coffee brewing. Whether he was drinking it or not, it was brewing. And so I associate that odor. I love the smell of coffee. But I'm like you. He gave me a taste. I guess someone gave it to him when he was like five or six, so he gave it to me. My mom was so mad at him. Just furious. Why are you giving him coffee for his little kid? You'll stun his growth. Don't. Plus, I had allergies. You could have, you could have been sick. So they had this knockdown drag out right in front of me. It was hilarious. I was like, whoa, wow. Over coffee. Oh, yeah, over coffee. Yeah, she was mad. She was mad at him. And she adored him. They rarely got into it, but they got into it pretty good. And I was like you. I remember thinking that it was bitter. It didn't taste good. So I've never wanted to drink it, but the odor all day long. Reminds me of my grandparents. Good times. Could you say maybe the smell? The smell, the odor, odor, whatever. (laughs) The odor. (laughs) And then Dad took his shoes off. (laughs) Oh, Dad, come on. I don't associate anything smelling good with the word odor. That's like notorious. It's always negative in your mind. Well, notorious is, yeah. Notoriety is. Every time I see that written or used and people are trying to use it as a positive, I always think of you going nuts on the radio over it. It's. No, it's not. It's not the origin of the word. It's not meant to be. He's trying to get notoriety. That's not a good thing. No, that's actually a bad thing. Uh, that's like Bronco. He was always anxious to play. No, he wasn't. He was eager to play. But he always said anxious. Yeah. All right. Here comes another suggestion. G Ham eighty three. The G Man. What do you get the guy who has everything? This is a good answer. A ring. Yeah. Start the parade, PK. Going to the state capitol, right up State Street. Yeah, but that's not an individual award, so he can't get that individually. Can't be given it. It has to be earned. I think Joe Ingles, not exclusively on the court, but he is in the community and on the court, he is the ultimate jazz man. There has never been a more connected jazz man with the community 
than Joe Ingles. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with that. I'm trying to think who it could be. Letter carrier, but then he would go and pop off every summer, and I think people got tired of the, that. The two that came to mind right away were uh, Hornacek and Carmelone. Jeff Hornacek, Carmelone. But Hornacek... It wasn't quite the connection. He was, um, he was very comfortable interacting with everybody. Of course, he's awesome. And it was smooth. But he's not a jazz man exclusively. Right. But I think he and Joe were going to play about the same number of years. Didn't Hornacek play seven? Or was it six and a half, I guess? I'd have to look it up. Yeah. He was a midseason trade, so whatever it is, is an and a half. And it's right around where Joe is. So Joe's got a chance to get a couple years on it. But Joe's 33 now, so Joe's not going to have the, the 10, 12, 15-year career in Utah. That would nor, be nor did Jeff. Jeff I mean, right, yeah, Phoenix Jeff claims him just as much. No way, man. He's ours. Back off, Phoenix. <laughs> that's, that's where he lived. That's where I know. He played there, and he went back and coached there. Now he did as a head coach. He was, you know, kind of assistant on the staff here, but he was a head coach there. He played there in some great times, as he did here too. And, and I think Joe has been more active in the community. Yeah, particularly with the autism situation with his boy, and that's drawn him out. And in an era where players get more and more isolated. Uh, he's out there. He calls radio shows on his own when he's because he's in town. And so and he gets he gets people on Twitter saying, "Oh, live here, live here," which mm-hmm. I don't think he should. I think he should go back. I think he will. So he's, he's, uh, made he's that pretty I've clear. Spoken about yeah. that, but I mean that's his, that's his family, his friends, that's home, that's where he belongs. Uh, so I agree with him on that. But I don't know if there's ever been a player who's made a better connection with the community than Joe Ingles, which is just amazing. Coming from halfway around the world. Yeah. Making it fit. And going through all the stuff that he went through just to make it in the league. And, and that now that he's made it, you wonder, why didn't somebody see that earlier? <laughs> right? He's long, he's athletic, he can pass, he can shoot the three. It doesn't make any sense. He can run well, a pick and roll. And and he's a great teammate because everybody loves to play with him because if you're open and he's got the ball. He'd rather pass than shoot. Yeah, he's yep. giving it to you, and everybody wants to play with somebody who's going to give you the ball. And that just makes you be more invested offensively and get you more pumped up because you know, man, if I get myself open and get in a good spot, he's looking to give me the ball. Now he'll shoot. Basically, he'll shoot if he has to. Uh, but uh, You know, he, that's an interesting question. I think there's a couple an- answers to it um, that are possible, and next time we have Joe on, we can just ask him and see from his perspective what he thinks, and then, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> ask around in the organization once we get to next season and are available to talk to. But I would think, one, he doesn't make the – if you're a 6'9", well, no, 6'9 is the positive, but white, balding, foreign guy – doesn't scream, oh, he's going to dominate the NBA, right? But I do wonder how, and, and we don't know because we didn't see him, how good a player should he have been in the league two or three years earlier? Well, two or three years before he went to the Clippers, who liked him but got caught in a roster crunch, two or three years before he went to the Clippers, 
how good a player was he? You know, how much improvement was there in those two or three years? Or did, as he got better, because I think we all agree he's gotten better in a Jazz uniform, right? Yes. So how much was no one saw it earlier? Well, it's like they saw the raw potential, but he just wasn't there yet. No, he wasn't there. But the thing that struck me is I think it was uh, a year ago this month when they had media day. Uh, they usually have it like the last Tuesday in September and then the camp starts the next day, something like that. And Dennis Lindsay, pretty sure it was this last year. This was a year ago. I'm pretty sure Dennis Lindsay said he was a journeyman in Europe and developed himself into a top 10 small forward. And that really stuck with me. And I, I know specifically Dennis said it because it stuck with me. Uh, you'd think that these guys were uh, the guys who come over here and make it. You'd think that if they came through the European leagues that they would have been like Doncic and they would have been really, really good, and that's why they come over. But Dennis, who said it, he was a journeyman, which took well, I took as, you know, an okay player, but nothing special, somebody who helps you win, but is, you know, not gonna, you're not going to jump on his back, that type of thing. So he was a journeyman overseas. And then I asked Joe about it because I said, hey, that really struck. And I don't remember if I asked him personally or on the air, but it really struck me when he said you were a journeyman. I said, how many folks do you think are over there playing? Guys are over there in the leagues, whatever they might be, uh, playing who with maturity and the right system could come over and be the factors, a factor like you have been in the NBA. And he said that there's all sorts of guys that if they get got the time to develop and got in the right position, whatever the team, whatever that organization is, and used correctly, that he thought that they could do what he has done. And that really struck me as something that, wow, that's really interesting because, you know, we're not focused on those players nope. over there. Nope. And we don't – particularly if you play college ball here, at least I have some form of reference. But obviously Joe chose not to, so I had no idea. Now, some of these Australians, Mills and Delavadova and whatnot, we get a taste of them because they play at St. Mary's or wherever. But he chose not to. He went the professional route at 17 years old. So that really struck me that, you know, that's why these guys, uh, these organizations are spending that much time, that much money over there because there's players and it's up to you to identify them and get them into your system and develop them. And Joe Ingles is the classic example. So how much are the Jazz trending towards that with the G League? Because we saw them in the bubble bring you know, basically three or four G League guys who they think have a serious, I guess it depends on how many, depends on how you define serious, but have a chance to fit in. And, you know, they've looked at a lot of 6'5 and 6'6 guys, and there's value in those guys. But at some point, do they try to just go find three 6'9 guys and say, we'll see which one of them develops? Because you don't know for sure. You know, Jerry Sloan had this old thing. I'll never forget him doing this. You know, his hands were like the size of Texas, right? I mean, he was a big guy already, but his hands were too big for a guy his size. And he said, the thing is, and he was talking about the draft and valuating players, it's really hard to know what's in here. And he tapped his heart. You know, how hard are you really going to work at it? How much are you going to put into it? Everybody says they're going to. But how do you really know that when you're not getting results and when it's going poorly, you are still pushing to improve, whether it's in the film room, in the gym, weights, whatever, you know, 
it's it's hard to know that. But I think now with the G League, you do have a chance to say, hey, we got three or four, six, five guys here. We got three or four, six, nine guys here, and we're just going to try to, you know, Frankenstein going in the lab, create it, and give these guys a chance to develop that they need. Yeah, I would just go and try to get the best players because Donovan Mitchell doesn't fit the prototype height-wise, but he's an incredible player, so I wouldn't be as caught up in height as opposed to talent. Now, if you think somebody in that happens to be that way, great. And I know we got to go to break, but I think I've got the perfect gift for Joe. What do you got? Rogaine. Oh, there it is. Oh, that's a cheap Had shot. to finish with a shot across cheap the shot. I, no, they Joe? Were... Come on, Cheap they... shot? I got bullet holes riddled in my body from I Joe was... Ingles. Okay, that's a little harsh. I was thinking more you were in the middle of the ring throwing jabs, man. The Dukes were up, and you were, you know... You weren't two guys dancing around in the ring yesterday. You were two guys in the middle. You were heavyweights. You weren't the fly rate, flyweight. Yeah, but stick look at move, the reach. Look move. at the advantages that he has on me. Yeah, but you were up inside, uppercuts, uppercuts. I'm 5'11". He's got eight, nine inches on me. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Another guy who's got five or six inches on PK, Lincoln Kennedy. Former NFL offensive lineman, star at the University of Washington, now an analyst for the Pac-12 Network's and on the Raider radio broadcast, which you hear here on The Zone every week. Lincoln's going to join us next to talk Pac-12 and NFL. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on The Zone Sports Network. ESPN loves to put up the pictures of Drew Brees. And look, Zach Wilson took a picture with Drew Brees and would drive out and spend time with John Beck. And John Beck's really helping him. You know, spending a couple hours or a couple of days, I, I know it can be influential and it can help the mental ability and maybe the confidence of Zach. Let's not forget, Zach's great because of the commitment he's making to the game. But when we're talking about who's having influence and who's helping his game direct and, and advance, you can't go further than Aaron Roderick. Aaron Roderick's got the most impact. Hanson Scotty. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to talk some football with Lincoln Kennedy. Hear him on Oakland Raider radio broadcast right here on Oakland. The Zone. Yeah, why did I say Oakland? The Las Vegas Raiders. I'll never get used to this. They need to drop the city and just be the Raiders. That's the brand anyway. It's the silver and black. He's on Raider Broadcast and Pac-12 Network Analyst once the Pac-12 season gets going as well. He does it all, college and pro. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, fellas, and I agree with you. They should just call it the Raiders, but it's the Las Vegas Raiders officially to the name really catches on. But it's good to be with you guys again. How are you guys doing? Good to have you back. We're doing all right. Yeah. We, we've been missing football, good. and you know we don't quite yeah. have the full-on football effect, but right. you know we got something, and something's better than nothing these days. We're all <laughs> we're all learning to just kind of roll depending with on it. What you're, you're, yeah, depending on what you're feeling of the product is that you see. Right. So, <laughs> well, you know, BYU is the only team playing on the western side of the U.S. because the Mountain West and the Pac-12 yeah. both shut it down. Now they decide right. to come back. The Pac-12 doesn't want to come back until they do the full six weeks that the NCAA recommends. The Mountain West puts the pedal of the metal. Ah, four weeks. And, and San Jose State's <laughs> driving up to Humboldt State. Uh, so they're going to, because they can't practice where they are in Santa Clara County, so they're going to be up there trying right. to get their practices in. Yeah, You played football at a high level. You played in the NFL. You starred at Washington. How many practices were you into it before you thought, I'm ready for a game? What would you well, really it, feel? It, yeah, it's really hard to quantify, guys, to be, with all due respect, because we never, we've never had anything like this happen. 
we've always been so used to a, a, a sort of regimented schedule and a pattern through your daily behavior or yearly behavior, uh, whether you were in high school, college, or what have you, um, and, and until now. And, and you never had an interruption such as this. I mean, the only thing that I can actually equate to what we've seen over the past you know, six months or a year, however you want to look at it, is, is 9-11. When, when our country shut down due to, you know, the brink of war and stuff like that. But I remember that we, we didn't play that week because um, we were all left in a sort of a quandary as what's going on. Is it, is it right to play? Should we play? And so hindsight being 2020, you know, what happened for us is that we ended up, we were supposed to play, I, I remember the schedule, we were supposed to play the Jets the week that the week 9-11 happened. And um, we had to postpone that game. And we postponed that game to the last game of the season. The Jets came to Oakland, and they needed to win to get in the playoffs. They beat us in Oakland, and they won the playoff bid. But they, the playoff bid that they won because we won the division, they came back to us the following week. And so we played the Jets the following week after that in the playoffs, the first round of playoffs. We beat them. But because the playoffs and everything with, with, um, with 9-11 happened the way, we ended up having to go to New England the following week. That was the tuck rule game. And the tuck rule happened because if, if we had played the Jets when we were supposed to, we were a better team than Jets, people would have thought we would have beat them. New England would have came to us. The tuck rule game might not have ever happened the way it went down. Uh, and it's just things like that, that, that the patterns that, you know, you'll think back like, what if, what if, and then all the conspiracy theorists that, that are out there, including myself, said, you know, after 9-11, for what it's worth, it's worthwhile to have the world champs be the Patriots, uh, you know, the world, the world, the world best football team be the Patriots, and it be the United States Patriots or New England Patriots, however you want to look at it. But, um, you know, we, we've never really dealt with anything like this. So this is still a very new thing for a number of people, including yourselves. And, and look, I'm in the market, the same market as you guys. I've never had to report what we've seen so far or what we're dealing with right now. So we've seen a number of players across the country, and particularly in the Pac-12. I think that you take Oregon and Stanford. This is a couple guys, a couple offensive linemen, uh, Little at Stanford and Sewell at yeah. Oregon, who've decided they're going to opt out. You know, you could have been in that situation. It wasn't done there. But what do you right. make of these guys doing this type of thing? I really can't fault the guys that want to opt out or the guys that want to play. The thing is that we're dealing with so much unknown. I don't really know how I would react if – say, myself or my kids were in this situation. You know, what I've worried about mostly is that because we don't know the, the effects of COVID, um, what happens if you have a first-round draft choice who's uh, had COVID and then all of a sudden he goes to the league or tries to go to the league and then he has lasting ramifications from the, the disease on his body? W- what do you do then? Who's at fault? Who do you hold accountable? What do you do? That's just the stuff that we, we don't know. The fact that we're, we're dealing with such an unknown, I don't fault anybody who wants to play college football or who wants to opt out of college football. It, it is what it is, and we just have to take it in stride. I know that eventually we'll return to normalcy. I don't know when that is, but eventually we will, and hopefully we can put all this stuff behind us. Lincoln Kennedy, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. If you had to handicap the Pac-12, not knowing who's going to opt out tomorrow, but as it right. sits right now, 
uh, and and not knowing what the one crossover game will be, but I think we're all leaning towards the Pac-12 is going to have the teams and the projected in the top half of the division to play teams projected in the bottom half of the division. Uh, how do you handicap it now? I love our conference, and I, I speak I speak wholeheartedly about the Pac-12. But our conference does not have a, a national recognizable stage. The fact is, most people on the national stage don't recognize or respect the Pac-12 conference as a whole. They don't think that it lies up to you know national projected standards. There's only one team that there, there's been any talk of uh, anywhere east of the Mississippi, and that's Oregon. Um, it is what it is. And, I, and I've said this on our program because, look, I've been, with, I've been with you guys for a number of years. I've said it all along. Until the Pac-12 gets in a nationally recognized game or a playoff game and wins, no one's going to take the conference seriously. And so that's where it stands even today. You know, yes, they'll play football. Yes, they'll, they, it'll be in, in, um, entertaining. Um, uh, but for the most part, until one of these conferences wins a big, con- one of these teams wins a big game outside of this conference, a premier bowl game, there's not any, many people who are going to respect this conference. Yeah, that's interesting because obviously that's been out there. Uh, and Larry Scott floated the idea of expanding a postseason, the playoff this year, because of the funky nature. And I know a lot of that is viewed as self-preservation, and everyone has an agenda, and I understand that. But if I could step away from that, I think that might be the case, be something that would need to be done. But nevertheless, it's not going to be done. And I just think, for whatever reason in the Pac-12, whether it's 9-0 and or now 7-0, and to go undefeated is almost impossible. You know, you get last year with the Ducks looking like they're rolling and then the Devils get them, they make a pass, and right. first-round pick catches a touchdown, and they lose. Is there any way you see this te- this conference being able to get that undefeated team because that's what it's going to take, but yet since they've expanded, no one has run through the conference season undefeated? Yeah, and, and, and that to me talks about the, the integrity and the level of competition that's this within the conference itself, and that's why I appreciate it so much, especially right. the fact that you have teams throughout the conference who want to stay with and play within the conference. Um, but I, I just don't know how you surpass that. I mean, look, we, we, we've seen Oklahoma lose to Kansas State. We've seen Oklahoma, one of the Big 12 schools, lose notably to one of the other Big 12 schools on an average basis. It happens to seem like every year someone who's supposed to win who doesn't, but yet they're still held in higher regard than an unbeaten Pac-12 champion. And that's why I think it's, it's what's quantified over the years has been the fact that the Pac-12 champion has not held up in in bowl games against another champion from another conference, um, and so in this in this situation, even if you have an undefeated Oregon team, they're probably going to be uh, finish a few votes outside the matter of say a Big 12 champion or a Big 10 champion because they're just you've got the ACC and you've got the the SEC, and however you want to break them down. You, you're pretty much self-assured before anything happened with COVID and everything else that there was going to be the AC champion, ACC champion, which is likely Clemson, or the SEC champion, which either has Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Auburn, um, whom I else that's in the conversation, that, that, but before you even think about a Pac-12 champion. I want to talk a couple minutes of pro football with you here. Hey, um, there we go. <clears throat> so Patrick Mahomes is awesome. 
<laughs> Russell, no, no I'm, seriously, I, I I could watch every every snap he plays. I want to see. He's so entertaining. He's not just entertaining. He's a winner. Those two things aren't necessarily yeah. the same thing, but in his case, they are. Um, sure. So so he is awesome. Russell Wilson is off the charts. Helped by a defense that's kind of flawed, so he's constantly constantly got to bring it so they can outscore their opponent. Now Roethlisberger was on the top shelf, but he was hurt. Um, It looks like Brady and Breeze are taking steps back. They've been on the top shelf in quarterbacks, but they don't look like they're in that discussion anymore. They're ancient. And uh, I'm curious if there's anybody else. I don't know if we have enough sample size in Buffalo. If you, I I don't know. So who are the elite? I mean, the elite of the elite. You can even separate the guys who are great. You know, you still got Aaron Rodgers slinging it. Who rank them? This is a record-breaking year, so however you want to look at it, I'll, I'll, I'll give the Super Bowl champions, the defending Super Bowl champions, their due with Patrick Mahomes because he's young and, he, and he's still there. He has to be first. Now, it's a toss-up whether you want to go Russell Wilson or Josh Allen, depending on how you want to look at it. I think they're, they're kind of even in a sense. Josh Allen is playing phenomenal because, look, after three games, here's, here's a guy who was criticized for his passing. We knew he had an arm for a long ball, but we didn't think anything about the accuracy or the short the short ball, uh, what he's able to achieve. Right now, after three games, he's ten touchdowns, one t- uh, one interception. So give it give it its standard, give it its due, give it its respect. It is what it is. So I, I think Josh Allen is right there in the mix. But then again, you forget about someone who's been sort of under the radar because we kind of wanted him to uh, wanted to see how he was going to react to where everything happened. But Aaron Rodgers is still there, guys. Aaron Rodgers is still damn good. And for all the people that thought that it was going to be Minnesota's year or Detroit's year or whatever in that division, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are still there after going to 13-3 season. So the, the, the thing is is that I've always felt, especially over the last decade and some change, that profo- professional football has, has turned into a full-time skelly drill. And when, it, when we mean skelly drill, it's all about 7-7. It's a glorified passing camp. And when you have a capable passer – because of the rules that's in place that save you, illegal contact, uh, um, illegal chuck, everything else gives you an automatic first down, the rules are in your favor. And then if you have a tight end or a slot receiver, oh, the sky's the limit. You can do and achieve everything that you want to achieve. So quarterbacks these days are thriving, especially after the first, you know, first three, four games or three games of the season. I throw another one who's in the mix. You might not get the recognition, but it's the one that I, the quarterback that I'm talking about, Derek Carr. I've been critical of Derek Carr since he's come into the league. But now the, the accuracy and, the, and what he's shown, especially dealing with the injuries and everything else, the Raiders are 2-1. He's also in that, that quarterback conversation. And the list goes on and on. I mean, we can sit here all day and break down and it'll throw up, you know, whether an opinion on who's you know, higher than the other, but they're all in the conversation because this is an offensive game. And especially with everything that the NFL is dealing with, currently with dealing with the COVID and everything else, you, it, it's hard for a defense. I go back to that uh, Baltimore Ravens-Kansas City Chief game on Monday night. The fact is the Baltimore Ravens marched down the field, put a touchdown up on the Chiefs, and I, 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 I swear I saw a camera, a, a, car, a camera view of Patrick Mahomes that said, okay, you guys want to do that? All right, boom. And he went out there and he never looked back. That's <laughs> how good this kid is in the system that they've got. It is almost, and you think about when you watch that game, if you think about what the Kansas City Chiefs did on offense, how do you stop that? They threw so many misdirection plays. They, they have so many weapons. 
whether it's whether it's Hilaire on the, in the backfield coming out of the backfield catching the ball, whether it's Travis Kelsey, whether it's Tyreek Ty- Hill, how do you possibly stop that? I thought for real that after the the, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, the team is going to break up. They're going to lose some power. Well, they gained they gained power by getting Edward Hilaire out of the draft from LSU. They gave them the back they needed to catch out of the backfield, run between the tackles, and everything else. This offense is probably one of the more unstoppable offense, and it's going to be a record-breaking year. I hate to say it because they play in a division. i got to see them twice. I just don't know how you stop these guys. So you had an opportunity to see the Patriots up close yes. last week, right? And uh, we know that they won the ball game, and they're basically a yard away from being undefeated. Right. Uh, and my thought is, and uh, I, I, we broadcast uh, the Raider games on our station, so I was listening okay. to you. Mm-hmm. I was out and about a little bit, so I was listening to you and, and Brent Musburger call the game. You do a phenomenal job. And one of the things that Thank really you. struck me is that, my gosh, the Patriots, they're still competitive. They got yeah. Burkhead. They got yeah. J.J. Taylor, who's like three yeah. feet tall. And they're still finding ways to win ball games and be competitive. Are, are we going to see just how awesome Bill Belichick really is this year? I think so. It, and it comes down to just great coaching because what the Patriots do, especially in offense, is they exploit the weaknesses of the teams that they're defending, uh, they're playing against. And more importantly, on defense with Belichick, he'll take away your greatest weapon, whatever it is. We've seen it in Super Bowls. We've seen it in countless times where Belichick has come to arrive. And now, look, you know, on, to be honest, I was on the fence about the Patriots as the season started because I saw a number of notable names that opted out. And I said, okay, well, they're probably trying to tank in order to get their quarterback of the future. And then when I said they got Cam Newton, I'm like, oh, okay, that's a game changer because this is a team that loved to run the football, the Patriots, loved to play defense. And you've got a six foot five, two hundred fifty pound quarterback who's not going to be throw happy. He's going to be run happy, and so this is going to work into the favor. So this puts them still in, in playoff caliber. So okay, that throws out the idea that they're going to tank in order to get their quarterback in the future. With that being said, you know they ran it for over two hundred fifty yards against the Raiders. The Raiders could not stop the run, and same thing happened for two weeks before when they played the, the Miami Dolphins. Now, as you mentioned, they were a yard away from the Seattle game or winning the Seattle game because they, they went for a goal line, uh, a goal line stand. But, you know, what, what the Patriots have notoriously done is exploit the weaknesses of the, of the team that they're playing and then find a way to put up numbers either way. And, and even that game, you know, in the Seattle game, uh, Cam Newton threw uh, for a lot of yards. I think Edelman had over 150 yards receiving because they wanted to play 8-9 in the box. And they said, okay, we're going to take shots downfield. So it is what it is. Um, I still think the Buffalo Bills are going to win this division. But I do believe the playoff, uh, the Patriots are going to be a playoff-caliber team. And, look, all you got to do is get in. Uh, for what it's what it's worth, and I know people have said this is a little bit of a cop-out attitude, the division sucks. I mean, it's, there's no way to put it. Uh, other, all, other than the two teams that we just mentioned, the Bills and the Patriots, you saw the product with the Jets. You see what the Dolphins are. This has been something that's been going on for two, year, two, two decades. It hasn't changed. The Patriots are still in the mix. Lincoln, we're glad you're back on the air with us. We're glad football's happening. We love talking football with you, and we look forward to hearing from you again next week. Any guy, anytime, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders broadcaster, Pac-12 Network analyst, 
Former NFL player, former University of Washington star. Exactly the kind of guy we need to have on the air here. PK, I'm glad you ran into him at Pac-12 Media Days and it clicked. Hey, wait a minute. This guy's got everything we're looking for. Full credit goes to PK <laughs> on finding that one. Lincoln Kennedy, yeah. I love his voice, the sound of his voice. And listen, I've actually listened to him do play-by-play or not analyst uh, on the radio here. I listened to him a couple of times. He's so smooth. I mean, he's got the knowledge, obviously. But some guys who have the knowledge, sometimes they can't get the words out. But he just – and his voice is smooth, man. It's not James Earl Jones – but it's in the ballpark. <laughs> Nobody's James Earl Jones. Right, that's exactly. Like, that's like comparing people to Mahomes. You know, I was like, okay, this needs to be a real short list right now. Oh, I, I understand, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ray. Oh, Ray. Sitting in the stands at Fenway. Yeah, I saw it. I wanted to see if you saw it. <laughs> they will come, Ray. That's an awesome scene. Most definitely. They, I, I still get goosebumps, man. It's it's simply the greatest sports movie, if not the greatest movie of all time. Have you been to the to the the field, to Fenway? No, to the Field of Dreams in Iowa. No, I know what you meant. No, okay. I have not. Yeah, you've done Fenway, right? I've done Fenway. Yes. Yeah, yeah Fenway was fun. Sat, no, sat in right not. field one night, and that was fun. That was a good time. Oh, geez, I bought. Uh, we bought tickets. I paid like uh, uh, four hundred thousand dollars, I think, to get good seats <laughs> once. It was a hot Sunday afternoon, and they freaking the family was so old they ran out of ice, so they couldn't serve cold drinks. Do you believe that? They ran out of ice. On a well, set. hopefully they ran out of carbonation too, because then there's no point. <laughs> I don't think they did, but anyway, it was really hot. And after the game, we're taking pictures, and some people are cleaning the stands. It's time to go. You got to go. You got to go. My wife and I are taking pictures, and we're right behind the backstop. I said, I'm not going until I'm done. I paid an arm and a leg. I came all the way from Utah. It's the 100-year anniversary of the stadium. My um, my best man at my wedding was my brother-in-law, and he died at 58. And my nephew had put a block. You could buy a block at the stadium, a brick in the, mm-hmm. in the ground. And he put it in there, and I had to go. And he asked me specifically to go find it because it, they, they had a section, so I wasn't just stabbing in the dark. I said, listen. I'm going to be here for a while, and if you, don't have, if you don't want me to be here, you better go get the police, because I'm taking enough pictures, and I'm going to do what I do, and I'm not going to get in anybody's way, and then I'm going to leave, and I'll be here about another hour. They shut up. <laughs> <laughs> DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. BJ Reigns covers the Boise State Broncos for the Idaho Press Tribune and Blue Turf Sports. He's going to join us in 15 minutes. Boise State opens the season against Utah State, and two weeks later, they play BYU. Stay with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. (laughs) 
DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. we got multiple questions going today. Uh, one of them, it is Joe Ingles' 33rd birthday today. What do you get? The guy who has everything. He'd be hard to shop for, PK. I mean, if he wants it, he can just go buy it. Don't you find it hard to shop anyway? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I hate it. I do, too. Guys, how do you find your wife, your girlfriend, whoever it might be? How do you find her something that she really wants? It's so difficult. So Give us, I need some tips, so much, fellas. So much pressure. There is, man. I, it sucks. I hate it. Christmas is coming up. What the heck are we going to get? What do I do? How do you get them gifts? How do you get the lady the gift that she won't think, what the crap? (laughs) So uh, I think as you get older, you get better at prioritizing experiences over things. So So you trip around the world? A uh, a trip somewhere. Now, obviously, you know, the travel isn't on the top of everybody's list right now. But, uh, you know, maybe you plan something out in the future. So there's that. And maybe yeah, it isn't a big trip somewhere. Maybe it's doing something, you know? What, what is that something? Yeah, but what trip are you going to give her that, I mean, you're not giving yourself? Well, that is one of the added advantages. We're going to go to Palm Springs <laughs> and go on a golf advan- uh, trip. <laughs> yeah, but she'd be happy. You got it all planned. Okay. You got it all set up. She doesn't have to worry about anything. She just has to This is a very underrated point, especially. You plan it all. They don't have to plan a thing. Yes, exactly. It's all set. You get, you get the depending on where you're going. I mean, you could fly or drive to Palm Springs. But okay, have you, you ever done anything? Have you done that? Yes. You planned a trip, everything. Yes. Oh, do share. I don't think I want to. Why not? Because <laughs> it was our honeymoon, and you're going to make fun of me. <laughs> I, I planned our honeymoon. I planned the honeymoon. Well, I, I told my wife. What? I said. I okay. said we got two things we can do here. Either we plan this together, so we do something we want, or I plan it, and it's a surprise. Okay, she so it was a surprise. She kind of looked at me, and she's like, okay, why don't you do it, and it'll be a surprise. So it was right. a surprise, though. It was. Okay. It was. Well, so, so then when it, she it married you. It actually created a little bit of friction in the family. <laughs> oh, screw them. <laughs> uh, that was my mom. <laughs> so what? She got over it. <laughs> she uh, did. So she think did about this. She realized why. Yeah, so think about this. She married you, uh-huh. so on that time, on that honeymoon, there was good surprises and bad surprises. Nope, it was all good surprises. This is why Ooh, I didn't you want to, this, is why I, this is why I didn't you want to tell you. You stud muffin, you. This is why I didn't like, want to you're tell like you freaking anything. LeBron, Yak. I got no weaknesses. This is why I didn't want there to tell you. There are no weaknesses for DJ. <laughs> this is why I didn't want to tell you anything. Well, that's, I'm not ripping your trip for your Too honeymoon. Too late. No, I'm not. I'm not ripping your trip for your honeymoon. Negativity. Can I tell very quickly the best trip I ever did for my old lady? Yeah. So her birthday's in the summer and uh, the first day of summer. So I planned the trip to Palm Springs. It was a significant two digit changer on the uh, on the age. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I did and we, we used to go to Palm Springs. 
like once in the winter and then once in the summer. You get the, when we lived there, and you get just two hours away. So we hadn't been back for a number of years. So we planned the trip for Palm Springs. There's a Marriott there that we really love. Blah blah blah. And what I did that. Uh, I took America West, which I don't even think exists anymore, <laughs> and we went through Phoenix, and we had to leave here like six in the morning. But we had a uh, delay of not a delay, a, a, a layover. layover. Thank you for two hours in Phoenix, and I set it up with my mother-in-law, and it was literally on my wife's birthday that day. So I set the whole thing up with my mother-in-law, and we were going to meet at this restaurant. She was going to. Uh, in the airport, so we'd leave security and go there. And I said to my wife, let's go get breakfast. We've got time. We'll have a nice sit-down breakfast. And when we went and sat down, we, as we went in the restaurant and went to sat down, sit down, there was my mother-in-law at the table. And my wife was so pleasantly surprised and so happy that she got to see her mother on her birthday. And, of course, my mother, who's now deceased, my mother-in-law, who's now deceased, was so ecstatic that she got to share her daughter's birthday a significant birthday so probably doesn't mean a whole lot to most folks but to those two it was really cool and i planned it and i felt so so happy about it. that's the kind of thing you plan some kind of experience and travel is more difficult now so you might have planned something for the future but uh yeah but it really did involve me the, the special aspect of it. She yeah. knew we were going to Palm Springs. Right, but you but planned. But the cool but still, aspect yeah. was her mother getting there. Right. And then, of course, I knew that her mother would slip me some money for the trip. <laughs> Atta kid. You had every angle covered. Your mother would have been proud. Atta kid, Patrick. Way to think of everything, everything, Patrick. I remember as we were walking towards security, getting ready to say goodbye, she came up to me and slipped... Uh, Slipped some some decent amount of money in my hand <laughs> and kind of did it on the sly. Good work. Good work. So it worked out completely. Uh, we got people tweeting at us, uh, birthday gifts for Joe. What do you get? The guy who has everything. He's 33 today. Uh, here it is. Uh, G-Man says, a ring. Braden says, coffee. Ben says, another headband, of course. <laughs> I don't think he has one. I think that was a gauze bandage. Yeah, I know. But just referencing it is funny. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, the Boise State Broncos, you know they're not in Utah, but they're right next door and they're playing the local teams all the time. They're opening with the Aggies. Their third game is the Cougars. We'll talk with BJ Reigns, who covers them for the Idaho Press Tribune and Blue Turf Sports. He is next. Stay with us.